Over the course of this podcast, we have visited a couple different tournaments and talked to students and coaches about what it's like to be in speech and debate. This week, I want to take us all the way back to the first day of recording I ever did at the Peninsula Invitational Tournament, specifically a conversation that I had with John Llewellyn, co-founder of Modern Brain. While a lot of that day was talking about the specifics of the tournament, the events and the while a lot of the day was talking about the specifics of this tournament, the events and the students competing there, this conversation veered into the bigger picture of exactly why speech and debate is such a hot spot for personal growth. From Modern Brain and Newton's Dark Room, this is We Talk to Walls. conversation started with an anecdote about a teacher. One of the common questions he's, he has is, uh, what do I need to do to get grade X? You know, so yeah, you're four weeks into the class, six weeks and eight weeks in class. What do I need to do to get an A? What do I need to do to get an B? He goes, I'm just going to tell you this. Not once in the entire history of my teaching has anyone who asked that question gotten that grade. <laughs> he's like, if you're asking that grade, the answer is nothing. You will not earn that grade. Because <laughs> if you were that type of person, you would already have that grade. He's like, this is no come, no come from behind wind in physics. It's not going to happen. You know, you're, you're. Uh, I'm sorry. This class is the class that weeds you out. <laughs> so we've all been there before. In some class, calculating your grade, making sure that you're in good standing. Some people do this later in the semester than others, and that can definitely be hard because schooling is often iterative especially, like John mentioned, classes like math and physics. You have to learn concept one before you get to concept two. But speech and debate is not physics, and it's not math. That means that there is a different approach to growth and learning than what you can see from other educational opportunities. In speech and debate, there is always room for growth. But that's a good thing too, is that, uh, you know, speech and debate is not necessarily a thing that weeds you out. You can get benefit from it uh, no matter what level you compete at. And different levels of competition can offer different value. If you're in elementary school, maybe you've just never talked in front of a group before, or you want to make a couple friends, and speech and debate can be that for you. For me, I joined for one year in community college. At that point, I was already comfortable with public speaking. I was a theater major. I'd been making podcasts. I competed primarily in impromptu. And what that did was really help me to hone my storytelling. And that is something that has benefited me professionally, probably more so than any of the other classes that I've taken in college. One way that John wants to help his students grow and give them opportunity to learn is with leadership, particularly teaching through a mentorship program. And also that's, uh, there's also mentoring opportunities too. So the, the other part of trying to help programs grow um, is that we are uh, providing mentorship opportunities for students at different levels. So if you, you start competing at the elementary level, middle school students can even help mentor the elementary school students. It gives them opportunities. So a lot of the students think, how can I win a national championship in for some form of speech? Uh, but they don't often think, how could I help someone else do the same thing who's younger than me? Anyone who's competed in speech and debate can tell you that it is a communal activity. We've already heard about how people practicing and learning together collaboratively help students get to where they want to go. This mentorship program really benefits all parties involved. 
The younger students are getting extra teachers and a different perspective on their pieces, while the mentors are able to get a deeper knowledge of their own events and grow not just as competitors, but as community leaders. But this program is not always easy because kids are kids. Not only do they have different levels of interest, they also grow up fast and things change a lot. One challenge is coming up with a system that has longevity built into it. You know, so we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we create sustainable ways for um, them to actually become good mentors and train them and give them lesson plans and understanding how to teach. And then, uh, and then they'll go out and help uh, students, uh, younger students, to, to compete. We're hoping this year that we can, have, we can be the first year that one of our, our mentors coaches someone who's a national champion at the level below them. Personal growth is not the only benefit to this mentorship program. It's no secret that a lot of kids are competing to help bolster their college resumes. They want that national championship, that title, so that they can put it on their application and get into a great college. To that effect, there is a pretty strong case to be made for mentoring, but it's something you have to sell a little bit more. You know, also, it's a lot easier if you're in high school to mentor someone at the middle school level to be help them be a national champion and to be a national champion coach than it is for you to win a national championship yourself. And so that's something they don't think about. Even the people who are hyper geared towards narrowly being focused on how do I get into like a, an Ivy League school uh, or how do I get into a better Ivy or whatever your, your feeling is. It's like, you know, there's not as much competition at the lower level. So if you wanted to create an elementary or middle school uh, champion and you really worked at it, understood how to be a good teacher, the chance that you're going to get someone into a state final is really high. The chance that you're going to get someone into a national, at least elimination round, if you do it for a couple years, is, is, is probably really, really high, uh, which then puts you within striking distance of you know being a national champion or really, really close to it. Um, and that's just as good on your record as, as winning one yourself. And that's kind of the secret of speech and debate as a whole. On its surface level, it is competitions. People are excited about getting together, trying to win, and being the best competitor that they can be. But along the way, as you research these certain types of politics, social issues, economics, you find yourself learning so much more about the world around you. And that learning can inspire real-world change. And to that end, it's kind of funny. We've been inspired by a, uh, there's a nonprofit that one of our, our students introduced us to, and then we realized that a lot of our students were actually part of this nonprofit. It's called Super Joey. It's a, um, it's a nonprofit that helps families who have uh, uh, children with uh, forms, different forms of uh, cancer that um, that children get and uh, they'll do everything from you know going and providing comfort and sort of support to cooking to providing material needs for them and raising raising money uh, and so uh, one of our students was, was uh, actually really really great at that he was uh, I think the student leader of the organization and then um, you know he did speech competitively uh, with us and I think that's also one of the things we're really trying to involve students in uh, is get people out in the community doing things. When you compete in speech and debate, you spend a lot of your time thinking about problems and solutions. And that means that you look at the world in an entirely different way. This is not some place where you get pushed around and have no control. You can impact and change the world around you, especially as a well-spoken kid. You know, the competitions are like 
people treat it the same way they treat grades. It's like a proxy for something else. It's like, oh, you got A's, therefore you're going to be good in life. Or, you know, you did good at a speech competition, you, you know. Um, so you're going to be uh, good at something, you know, being a lawyer. But I don't think the skills transfer that way. Uh, I think that you need to actually apply them to the specific thing and learn how to do that thing. And so... Um, you know, we want students to get out and speak in front of their city council and advocate for something and actually create change in their community, um, whatever that might be about. Even if they start with just complaining about the pothole in front of their house, uh, I mean, why not? And to be honest, until you're an adult, you get to speak in front of the city council, have them clap for you and tell you, oh my gosh, a young man or a woman, you're so amazing, thank you. Because once you're an adult, they're just like uh, just another angry taxpayer. <laughs> and Or you're the crazy guy who has conspiracy theories and, you know, they, they just dismiss you, right? And they're like, okay, your 30 seconds is up. Stop talking. But if it's a little kid, you know, go for five minutes, and the people behind them are complaining, and they're like, "Shh, let him speak." You know, like this is the this is the future of America. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> despite the fact the kid might be talking about his favorite toys, uh, and so, um, so we definitely try to get kids involved in community-related things um, and having an impact in their community. Uh, and because you know, I think people. Uh, people definitely think that, oh, you do this and automatically you will become someone who can do that. But, uh, you know, we want people to act and get involved in those things uh, when they're in middle school, when they're in high school. Developing these skills at a young age can put you in an amazing position once you're ready to take that next step in life. Uh, when they're in college, they're little adults who know how to create a business, know how to write a business plan, know how to pitch a business, know how to do all these things. Uh, and so one of the kids, this, this specific uh, student, his name is Greg uh, Gregory, he uh, from Thousand Oaks, he got into Stanford, or no, sorry, uh, Georgetown two years ago. And he had just done speech, and he'd applied his speech to all sorts of uh, things. So he was always the MC at the gala for this, uh, this Childhood Cancer Foundation. He also uh, did some... Um, speaking on behalf of uh, Childhood Diabetes Foundation. And then uh, he was always the MC for his city's um, Chinese New Year celebration and stuff. And so he used his speaking skills to, to do that kind of stuff. And he got into Georgetown, decided he wanted to do MUN. MUN stands for Model United Nations. Many people wouldn't label it as speech and debate, but it's definitely speech and debate adjacent, kind of like mock trial. And it's something that modern brain teaches as well. MUN is completely different. It's, you know, what we would refer to as competitive cooperation, right? So it's how do you, how do you work with others but still look like you're the best and look like you're the one who had the best leadership skills. And so he joined uh, the MUN Model United Nations team at Georgetown and they are, I believe they're currently ranked, if not this year, last year they were ranked number one in the world. And uh, then I think this fall he's one of the most awarded competitors on their team. And, you know, and he's also, I think, their finance director or business director or something. And, you know, he joined, uh, you know, all sorts of different, um, you know, clubs that are reserved for people who are very serious about, um, you know, becoming finance and consulting professionals and whatever. And as a freshman, he got into some of these things that usually they wait until you're a little bit older to let people in. And, and uh, a lot of it came because of his persuasive ability. If you ever want to see some incredible stuff, go check what people are doing soon after they finish their time with speech and debate. These are some of the most hardworking, ambitious, and passionate people on the planet, and they've been given the tools to achieve their dreams. I feel like it just accelerates stuff. It also accelerates your ability to make friends. <laughs> it might sound cheesy, but it's true. You end up spending a lot of time with the people that you do speech and debate with, whether they're on your team, helping you practice and going with you to events, or 
They're people you see at tournaments, competitors from other schools, your friendly rivals. Whether you join for the community, competition, or college resume, I can promise you that you will get something life-changing out of your time in speech and debate. That's it for this episode. We'll be back next time to continue exploring this wonderful world. Do your kids want to try speech and debate? Modern Brain offers both in-person and online classes for all ages and experience levels. To learn more about how to get involved, visit modernbrain.com. We Talk to Walls is a production of Newton's Dark Room. It was written and produced by yours truly, Talon Stradley. The artwork is by my wonderful wife, Rain Stradley. The music for this episode was provided by musicvine.com. Special thanks to John Llewellyn and Modern Brain for making this podcast possible. If you like this show, you might enjoy my other podcasts. Visit newtonsdarkroom.com for more. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.